Good morning, brothers and sisters. I am Dr. Ken Buckle, psychologist from Grazia Plena. Uh, welcome to uh, the first uh, video format uh, presentation and podcast uh, for this program of recovery that we have been offering here at Grazia Plena for some time now. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, the coronavirus pandemic has uh, caused us to do some things differently, to reach out differently to people, uh, to connect with them, uh, to bring the Lord's healing to them. And very happy to be able to try this, to have this technology uh, to connect with you in this way uh, today. So as, as we always do, uh, let's begin with a moment of stillness and quiet. Uh, in the stillness and quiet, we encounter God. So let us pause to, to put our minds at focus on this session this morning to clear away some of the noise of the world. Our world is so noisy with technology and all kinds of things tempting us to, to be busy and uh, active and sometimes in order to be present with our God, to recognize our God's presence with us. It's important for us to clear away some of that noise, uh, to be still and quiet for a while. And so let's do that now for a few moments, and then we'll have our opening prayer. So let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And please say this little prayer with me. Holy Spirit, we call upon you now to join us in this hour in a special way. We ask for your wisdom and your healing. Encourage and inspire us with clear thinking, understanding, and truth. And fill us with a deep and satisfying fire of your love. Amen. In the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so this, uh, this format, uh, this group is uh, called, has been called in the past, it's been called King David's Men. Uh, let me give you just a little bit of history of King David's Men. Um, in 2000, late 2012, maybe early 2013, as Grazia Plena was uh, still very new in Houston. <clears throat> Monsignor Chester Borsky, uh, whom I've known for a long time, is a wonderful priest. <clears throat> Excuse me. He contacted me and said that uh, there was a, a parishioner uh, at his church that was interested in uh, a, a healing recovery program for uh, sexual issues, chastity issues, um, but he, he 
wanted something that was more Catholic. Uh, he, he was familiar with 12-step programs in his recovery, and that had been going well for him. But he was looking for something a bit more Catholic. Uh, and the assistant pastor at the parish was uh, willing to be involved, but they thought uh, a Catholic psychologist might help, and, and he wondered if I would uh, be part of the little project to form a new type of a group for their parish. And so uh, I said, yes, of course, that would be fine. Um, uh, I struggled myself with uh, pornography issues in the past, uh, I had found the 12-step group approach uh, very helpful for me personally, uh, and so I was happy to, to share some of what I learned in my own personal experience and, and also uh, what I know as a psychologist, but to share that with uh, other Catholic men. So I was on board. Yes, let's do it. So um, that uh, we were beginning the process of putting the group together, uh, for, forming the, how it would format would be. And uh, the assistant pastor suggested uh, that we call it King David's Men. Uh, there was another group, and I, I told him, there, you know, Father, there's another group uh, called the King's Men, uh, King, Christ the King, after Christ the King, the King's Men. And um, that, that was a similar name, and I, I wondered if things might get confusing, but he said, no, it really should be called King David's men after the great king of Israel. Uh, and I, I agreed with him. I, I thought it was really a great idea. So let's let's talk a bit about King, uh, king David. Uh, you may recall uh, King David was famous for his uh, battle with the Philistine Goliath. Uh, it says in um, <clears throat> we get to we get to encounter David in the scriptures the first time in the first book of Samuel, and it it talks about uh, David in chapter sixteen as being the son of Jesse of Bethlehem. Isn't that interesting? Uh, David uh, was from Bethlehem. Of course, you know that's where our Lord was born. Uh, so it describes that um, in chapter 17, Goliath uh, was this huge guy, uh, pro you know, picture probably the size of J.J. Watt or, you know, big NFL football player, says six and a half feet tall, you know, covered with uh, armor, a pretty tough guy that, you know, the biggest, baddest guy from the Philistine army for sure. And so, you know, he challenges the Israelites to battle and um, just, you know, somehow David gets in the middle of this. David is a, a shepherd, kind of a, a, a young guy, not, not a soldier at all like Goliath. Uh, so David just falls into this situation. Uh, he had been tending sheep, you know, <laughs> now he's now he's about to battle this uh, awesome soldier. And so, uh, uh, so, so David uh, fights him. Uh, some people say to David, um, you know, you can't go up against this Philistine and fight with him. Uh, you can't do it. He's, he's too big. He's too bad. Uh, you're going to get, you're going to get slaughtered. Uh, and this is, this is an image 
for us sometimes of what happens with pornography or other aspects of sexual addiction. We get drawn into them so deeply, uh, so powerfully, uh, that it, it uh, overwhelms us. And it feels like as we try to break free of this uh, sexual addiction, that uh, it's bigger and badder than we can imagine. There's no way for us to fight it, kind of like David encountering Goliath, right? Um, so David says, uh, the Lord who delivers me from lions and bears when I'm being a shepherd, uh, he'll deliver me from this guy, from this Philistine uh, warrior. Uh, so David kind of summons up his courage. And isn't that interesting? That's really important, I think, uh, that David says, you know, the armor of a soldier, uh, the usual battle weapons, um, are not going to work against this situation. Um, but the Lord, the Lord, who has protected me in the past, uh, the Lord will help me in this battle. And that's so important for us, brothers and sisters, uh, that we recognize that it's not our armor, it's not anything we can bring to the battle that's going to help us ultimately uh, to, to conquer this uh this uh, evil, uh, but it's going to be God and his grace that's going to do it. Uh, and that's, that's important for us to know, and that's good news, actually. Uh, you know, Goli uh, Goliath says to David, chapter 17, uh, you're going to come up against me with just a staff. And so he's kind of taunting and uh, making fun of David, but uh, of course, David is able to uh, defeat him in a great victory, and that's the beginning of, of David's greatness uh, in the history of Israel. So let's fast forward a bit to second to the second book of Samuel. Uh, let's look at what happens uh, to David in chapter 11. So uh, things had been going very well for David. And uh, he was quite successful as a king. Um, but he begins to slip and he gets perhaps bored. Uh, and what happens to us in our struggle also so often with boredom and success of the world, uh, we begin to slip and fall. And so in chapter 11, we start to hear about David's uh, issue with Bathsheba. He sees her. Uh, he's attracted to her. Even though she's married, he lusts after her. Uh, he has her taken, it says, uh, like kidnapped, uh, brings her and uh, to the palace and has sex with her. Um, she ends up pregnant. Uh, then the next thing you know, he's trying to uh, arrange things so that uh, her husband might think that he was the one that had got her pregnant, which was difficult to manage that, that scenario because he had been at war. David tries to arrange uh, for them to sleep together, brings, brings the soldier back home. It doesn't work. Uh, you know, all these manipulations that are part of uh, sex addiction, you know, we see them happening with David. Not that David was a sex addict, but his, his uh, sexual sin uh, was creating all these difficulties, these uh, terrible situations, and he was just spiraling downward. 
uh, into more and more trouble until finally he has the, the husband killed. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. So so the prophet Nathan, uh, we see in chapter 12, the prophet Nathan is observing this. Uh, and we have this uh, interesting scene where the good prophet Nathan uh, like a good, uh, uh, like a good mentor or peer to David, uh, tries to gently confront him. You know, here he's the David's the king. You don't want to just uh, shoot him down. You need to kind of reason with him. So Nathan tells this parable to him to confront him, to open his eyes, to open his heart, so that he can see the depths of his sin. Um, and it works. Uh, Nathan has, you know, the famous words to David after he explains this parable and David says, oh, you know, what's going on in that parable is definitely wrong. Prophet Nathan says to him, well, you're that guy. That's, that's, you are the person in this parable. I'm talking about you. And so David uh, then becomes horrified at his sin. Uh, he, he sees it. Uh, in all of its truth, as so much uh, so often happens to us, <clears throat> and um, he becomes remorseful, greatly remorseful and repentant, which is the proper uh, correct response when we are finally able to break through the denial and the horror of our sin and and accept that we have done these things uh, and that they're wrong. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, in the beautiful Psalm 51, known as the Miserari, uh, is David's uh, con confession, confession, con a contrition uh, about his terrible sin. And um, you're, you know, we're familiar with this Psalm 51 because we hear it especially during Lent. So we, I, you know, we hear it uh, several times actually during Lent. Uh, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness, in the greatness of your compassion, uh, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and of my sin, cleanse me. Uh, it goes on, uh, wash me, so, I'll sh so I shall be whiter than snow. I love that. Uh, a, a, a clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. So this is the prayer of David. This is his confession. Uh, and it's done in a most beautiful way for us to model and for us to understand. And so, uh, and so the, the group was named for uh, King David, uh, King David's men. We are, we are those men. We are his followers, uh, like in his army, you know, would, would be um, and, and we want to be like him, we want to recognize, uh, self-examine, be like him, recognize what we, what we are, what we've become, uh, and to repent and be remorseful for those things and to have a good uh, recovery. So uh, that's how we got to King David's men. That, that King David's men group had been going at Grazia Plana for uh, probably six or seven years. Um, until the, the uh, coronavirus disease pandemic uh, kind of 
shut us down from being able to meet in the office and and hence we're doing this video and podcast today so we're now we're able though to open it up to, uh, to women who struggle with these issues um, uh, we know that it's not just men uh, but it is women uh, the uh, the largest porn sites uh, report that 25% of the, the customers on their porn sites are women looking at porn. And so uh, there's a significant number of women that are struggling with these issues too, including Catholic women, Catholic men and Catholic women. Uh, so let's do something about it. Uh, so in the, the famous uh, popular book from the 70s, uh, The Road Less Traveled by uh, Dr. Peck, a psychiatrist, Christian, Christian psychiatrist, um, he starts out his book, the very first line of the book is, life is difficult. And so he's, uh, he's kind of echoing what we talk about uh, as, as Catholics, as Christians, uh, that this life on earth is a veil of tears sometimes, uh, that we find ourselves struggling, uh, always encountering difficulties of one sort or another. We, we might desire for life to be smooth, right? But it doesn't always go that way. We, uh, things happen to us uh, and we're faced with these challenges like hurricanes and viruses that are epidemics, so, so forth. Uh, his, his approach uh, to this book is saying, um, we need to face these things head on and recognize that life is gonna be challenging. Jesus said a similar thing in this world, you're going to have trouble. So uh, we have to deal with it. We have to address it, and we might as well address it in a good, healthy, uh, holistic way. Um, but what happens with most of us uh, humans, human creatures, is um, we try to fix things ourselves. That's our big temptation. It's driven by pride. Uh, I'll take care of it with myself. Uh, I don't need anybody to know about what's going on with me. Um, I can fix it and I'll do my own self-improvement projects. Thank you. Uh, just leave me alone, keep it quiet and, uh, and it'll, it'll be okay. Uh, unfortunately, we know that that doesn't always work. Uh, St. Paul uh, has this beautiful uh, part in his uh, second letter to the Corinthians uh, where he talks about weakness. Um, and, and so he, he says, uh, you know, I, I, I can only boast about my weaknesses. Um, and he says that he's tried to escape from these things, um, but what happens, uh, he, he, he can't fully escape from them. Uh, but the Lord says to him, my grace is enough for you. Uh, for in weakness, power reaches perfection. So I willingly boast of my weaknesses instead. Uh, it's just so beautiful that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So I'm content with my weaknesses, with mistreatment, with distress, persecutions, difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I'm powerless, it is then that I am strong. Uh, what a great uh, verse for us. Uh, this situation that we're in, where we recognize that we're weak, that, that these sexual things have a, a power greater than us. Um, but then St. Paul says, aha, but, but grace uh, is the strength that we need. Uh, and, we, and so in our weaknesses, we're drawn uh, to Christ uh, properly and, and appropriately. 
this grace. Uh, Jesus refers to this grace when he's uh, talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, John chapter 4, he says, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew it, and he's referring to grace, uh, if, if you knew that gift, uh, you would want to drink from that living water. Another beautiful reference for, for our consideration. <coughs> our culture is do it alone, just do it yourself, do it alone. It's kind of a rugged individualism. It's, a, it's a, really a temptation that keeps us away from the healing that we need because we're all on the sidelines trying to fix ourselves to uh, bandage up our own wounds. Uh, it just doesn't work so well, usually. If we look through the, the evidence in our past history, in our lives, <clears throat> we'll see all the attempts that we have made. Uh, we'll see the things that we tried to do uh, to fix ourselves and how they never turned out very well, how we were never able to be uh, truly successful, that the issues kept coming back and haunting us, as St. Paul had uh, referred to. And so when we lay out the evidence, like in a courtroom, we can say, you know, okay, the evidence proves that this is a big problem, that I don't have the strength to do it on my, my own, uh, so I have to get some help here. <clears throat> it's good for us to come to that realization. Uh, doing it my way has messed, messed up my life. I've got painful consequences to these things, uh, and my afflictions are definitely more powerful than I can manage. So I have to conclude based on the evidence uh, that I am not God. As Catholics, we believe that there is a God and that that, that God is all-powerful, has everything that we need, uh, and he's also kind and merciful, very important. Not only does he have the power, uh, he desires to heal us. He desires to restore us. His passion uh, on the cross, his death for us, proves this great love that he has to restore us and this desire to restore us. So not, not only are we not God, but there is a God. He has the power to heal us. He wants to heal us. And so we can choose to surrender and place ourselves into God's capable hands as a good starting point for our recovery. <clears throat> uh, those who are familiar with the 12-step programs uh, know that these have to do with uh, the first three steps uh, of the 12 steps, uh, this foundation. Sometimes we struggle with this. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, because of our pride, sometimes we have uh, come to blame God. Uh, we've come to accuse God of uh, being responsible for cursing us, perhaps, uh, for being responsible for the problems in our life. Uh, and if we really step back and think about that and understand evil, the nature of evil, uh, the nature of what's happening in this world, uh, we recognize that, that these terrible things... <coughs> excuse me, are a result of evil, uh, not God punishing us. Uh, so working out our issues with God in the very beginning, uh, reconciling with God is really important for our recovery. If, if we come to recovery uh, full of anger and resentment toward God, it's good for us to start there to work that out with the help of a spiritual director, a counselor, or through our own prayer and studying the scriptures. <clears throat> Uh, the gift of recovery ultimately will lead us out of our afflictions, 
uh, to gratitude, joy, and serenity in the long run, which is uh, a great thing for us to look forward to, for us to have hope for. Uh, having hope is really important. <clears throat> we need to face the truth that deep transformations don't come overnight. Um, our addiction didn't develop overnight. Our addiction developed over a period of time. And so the recovery from it, the deep transformation of our character and our virtue, they don't come overnight. And that, that makes sense. That should make sense. <clears throat> our job is to do the work of recovery. There are some things for us to do. Uh, but we trust the outcome to God. So uh, we don't know when the healing might come. Uh, we just believe that it will come if we do our part and cooperate with grace, uh, that God will take care of it in his own way, in his own time. And so we, we have no expectations except uh, that it will work if we are persistent and diligent. Uh, we focus on progress, not perfection. That's a motto from this 12-step world. Um, and it's, it's good for us to look over the landscape of our recovery to see uh, that we're making gradual progress as we uh, do this hard work, um, that we're not able to be perfect probably in our recovery, uh, but we keep trying, we keep coming back, we never give up. Uh, part of our recovery process is to take a hard look at ourselves uh, to recognize the character defects that we have, to recognize those things that we'd rather not look at, uh, the resentments, the fears, and so forth, uh, things that we push out of our awareness uh, automatically or, or uh, regularly. Instead of denying those things, we come to accept them and integrate them into our whole image of ourself uh, so that we're, we're neither good nor bad, but we're a mix of all kinds of assets and defects together. Uh, and, and humility is, is this way of looking at ourselves accurately as we truly are, uh, not puffed up with pride and uh, not uh, so low, uh, cast down in shame. Our, our healing leads us to a new way of life, which is really great news. Uh, we, we can find the fullness of life, the living water that Christ is talking about. Uh, we, we find the way, we find Christ uh, in the midst of our recovery and our healing, um, and we don't want to go back to that old life, that old self, that old way. Uh, we want to be living a new life in Christ, as uh, St. Paul describes in the scriptures. Uh, we're likely to, uh, when we find this new way of life, when we find this healing, uh, we're likely to, and maybe perhaps even obligated, to share this gift of recovery with others, to tell them our story, to give testimony, and to encourage them to find the same healing, to approach Christ uh, in, in this way, uh, to, to find some relief from, from the slavery that we experience in these afflictions and addictions. When people recognize that they're sick, uh, and sometimes it's very difficult for us to face that, to recognize that, hey, I've got a sore throat, it's not going away, uh, when we recognize we're sick, uh, then sometimes, uh, especially if we're very sick, uh, we refocus our faith, like the person that comes down with cancer or a heart attack and their, their life is threatened. Uh, they, they may say, wow, I've let my faith slip. I need to uh, reconnect with God. So it's only natural, and, it's, and it is good. It, it is proper for us to do that. Uh, as we're beginning recovery, we want to clean up uh, our 
our moral activities, uh, to clean them up, to change our life, to root out any sin of any type. Um, it doesn't really make sense to say, okay, I'm going to fix this addiction, but I'm going to continue to do this other thing that's not right either. Um, that really becomes quite a challenge to do it that way, and it probably won't work. And so we need to take a, a look at our entire life. We need to clean up all kinds of things that we might be struggling with uh, as we make this change, uh, try to make this change in our sexual purity with God's help. Uh, <clears throat> when we're faced with uh, spiritual afflictions, physical afflictions, any afflictions, mental, emotional, the sacraments are the salve. The sacraments are, are the thing that brings the greatest healing for us. Uh, what sacraments? The sacraments of the Eucharist, reconciliation, confession, uh, anointing of the sick. These are the things that the church provide is, provides for us uh, to bring healing uh, to us. And so we should step up our game if, if we have been away from the sacraments, if we have not been regularly receiving them. Uh, it's good for us to get back to Mass, get back to the confessional. Um, it's a good, important part of our recovery process. Uh, we also may need to beef up our prayer life uh, with regular contact with God, but making time and space for him, especially making space for silence. Uh, Cardinal uh, Sarah, great cardinal from Africa, has a fantastic book about the power of silence uh, that will really greatly help our prayer life. Well, we can check that out. Uh, so we can uh, make our prayer life central, daily, regular, important, a priority in our life as part of our recovery. Uh, reading scripture is an important part of our recovery. Uh, scripture is the word of God. Uh, and, this, and, and studying, listening to, soaking in the word of God uh, helps us to get to know our God better. It helps us get to know ourselves better. Uh, and it provides the strength for us to turn away from evil. Uh, remember when Jesus was tempted in the desert uh, uh, b before his uh, ministry began, uh, he, he was tempted by the devil in the desert, and he used scripture to fight back. Uh, and so uh, we need to be able to do the same thing. By studying and learning scripture, uh, we can use that power and that strength to, to begin to turn evil away in our life. Uh, we have the, the beautiful tradition of the rosary prayers. Uh, content, it's a contemplative prayer. Uh, we have the chaplet of divine mercy that came to us through St. Faustina. Uh, beautiful prayers that can also help us in our recovery. Um, in general, if we're, if we're sick as, as uh, children, our mother takes care of us, right? Uh, we go to our mother, we scrape our knee, uh, she patches it up. Uh, if we're sick with the flu, she gives us the chicken soup, whatever. Uh, so as we're sick as adults, uh, we can also run to our Blessed Mother. Uh, we have so many great titles that, that recognize and remind us of how she helps us. Uh, our Mother of Perpetual Help, Our Lady Undoer of Knots, Mother of Good Counsel, and so forth. Um, all these wonderful titles uh, to help remind us that she is there with us and wants to bring Christ's healing to us uh, so we can ask for her intervention and her protection. Uh, we, we often neglect our relationship with our guardian angel. 
Um, at the beginning of time, guardian angels were created and assigned to all, all of the human souls that would ever exist in time. So our guardian angel has been waiting for us all this time until we were conceived um, and then began protecting us and guiding us uh, to heaven um, as soon as that happened. And we often don't think of our guardian angel, uh, but our guardian angel can be a great support to us. We can develop a relationship with our guardian angel, um, calling upon our guardian angel for assistance, for uh, to share some of the intellect of the angel, um, and to uh, keep temptation away, help keep temptation and evil away from us. Uh, Father Chad has wonderful. A seminar on the guardian angel uh, on YouTube. You can check that out. <clears throat> uh, we might uh, assemble a posse, a cavalry of our favorite saints. I know when I was a boy, I used to watch these old westerns on TV, right? Sometimes the fight wasn't going well, and you know the, uh, the the heroes were getting defeated, and then all of a sudden, over the hill comes the cavalry, you know, on their horses, uh, coming to the rescue, and so. Um, we, we can line up our own calvary of favorite saints, the saints that mean the, the most to mean the most to us, perhaps our confirmation saint, um, a saint that we might be named for, uh, saints of, of parishes that we attend, uh, saints that have particular uh, focus for us or, or they, they call to us. Uh, so we may have these saints, Saint Philomena for women. Uh, St. Maximilian Colby for men, uh, Padre Pio, Mother Teresa, wh whatever saints are helpful for you, St. Michael the Archangel, um, you can put them in your posse, in your Calvary, develop a relationship with, with them and call upon them uh, when you're feeling weak, um, when you need some protection and you need some, some uh, inspiration and help and courage. Uh, finally, I have in this list... Um, as we're working through our recovery, uh, we might we might find uh, some help with the Auxilium Christianorum prayers. These are daily prayers of exorcists. Um, if you have an iPhone, um, Auxilium Christianorum has an app that you can download uh, for free on your iPhone. And then there's a different uh, set of prayers each day. They have some similar prayers. Uh, for example, the Litany of the Precious Blood is, is every day. Uh, but they have some some specific prayers for different days, like uh, on on one day, on Fridays, the Litany of Humility, which is a beautiful prayer. Um, so these these prayers don't take too long, but they're very powerful. Uh, they they speak a lot to uh, spiritual protection. Uh, exorcists use them uh, in their own personal prayer lives. Uh, those that work in exorcism ministry, and and so um, you can pray these prayers too. Any of us can pray these prayers. Uh, they're particularly helpful for us if we're feeling spiritually attacked with uh, sexual temptations. Um, another element of recovery that's critical uh, is the uh, idea of fellowship, uh, to connect with others, to, to surround yourself with others that are of the same mindset uh, in terms of thinking about uh, sexual morality and what your goals might be. Um, so there's a lot of good examples of how you might find fellowship um, for men. Uh, the, the great program called That Man Is You uh, usually begins in September. It runs the school year, September to May. Uh, they, it's a fantastic program. They meet once a week in the mornings before work usually. Um, 
started started uh, here in Houston and uh, spread around the country. Uh, a great fellowship where you can meet uh, good Catholic men who are trying to, to learn how to be good husbands and fathers. Uh, St. Anne's Society for Women, for Mothers, uh, they get together at some parishes and they, uh, they do spiritual uh, programs and um, fellowship to make them stronger as mothers in their faith. Uh, the Knights of Columbus, or the Catholic Daughters, uh, are groups for men and women at your parishes, local parish. They, they put you in touch with uh, other Catholic men and women that are good to surround yourself with, do good work in a parish. <clears throat> we have Men's and Women's Axe Retreats, which is a fantastic weekend retreats, but uh, they also connect you in an ongoing way with a, a, a fellowship community after the retreat. Uh, Curcio is similar to that. Uh, we have men, women's and men's Bible studies at different parishes that can help you develop good friendships with uh, uh, other men and women. Uh, so all of those uh, uh, social fellowships uh, provide important support. Uh, there is strength in numbers. Uh, another uh, possible help in your recovery might be psychotherapy or counseling. Uh, psychotherapy or counseling can help you get to some of the issues that are below and driving uh, your addiction, your unhealthy behaviors. Um, I suggest for Catholics to meet with a Catholic therapist. Um, if you have a therapist already who's not Catholic and it's going well with you, I, I, I suggest you continue that. Um, if you've never been in therapy, uh, you've, you've been trying to recover on your own and it's not been working for you, uh, you might consider finding a Catholic therapist. Uh, there are Catholic therapists at Grazia Plena, where I work, of course, in the, in the Houston area. Um, you can also find Catholic therapists through this wonderful website, uh, catholictherapist.com. Uh, they help you find a Catholic therapist in your uh, part of the country. Uh, you can also find a Catholic therapist. <coughs> excuse me, through... Um, looking at the membership list of the Catholic Psychotherapy Association. So you go to their website, uh, you click on members, uh, and then you look at the membership directory. And kind of similar to Catholic therapists, uh, you can find Catholic uh, counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists, and so forth uh, uh, that might be closer to you. Uh, there are different forms of uh, psychotherapy. Uh, many of us in recovery would use individual psychotherapy, uh, but there's also uh, marriage and couples counseling, family therapy, group therapy as well. <coughs> um, in addition to or uh, uh, another another approach to recovery is a long a long-standing approach called 12-step programs. Uh, the 12-step programs had Christian roots, um, but they operate outside of religion in order to welcome people of all faiths or no faith. Um, but it definitely is a program that, that grew out of a strong uh, Christian faith. It's uh, completely compatible uh, with our Catholic faith. Uh, it works great for Catholics, in fact. Um, uh, there were Catholic clergy and religious involved in the formation of, of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous from the very beginning. Um, out, AA started and took root uh, because it was helpful and nothing else had worked for alcoholics up to that, up to that point. Um, 
you know, about less than less than 100 years ago. Uh, now, uh, although AA was the first beginning 12-step, uh, there are 12-step groups for any addiction, cocaine, narcotics, uh, pills, food, exercise, you name it, marijuana. There's a 12-step group for everything, including the sex addictions. 12-step uh, groups are anonymous. Uh, you use your first name or your middle name. Uh, you don't have to identify what work you do or where you worship or where you work, uh, where you live. Uh, so they're anonymous and they're basically free. Uh, 12-step groups pass a hat uh, at the end of a meeting to take up a couple of dollars for rent of the space they're borrowing uh, and for books and materials for newcomers, but that's they're basically free programs. Uh, meetings are everywhere and all, all hours of the day, uh, early in the morning, lunchtime meetings, meetings in the evenings, meetings on the weekends. Um, uh, when you go to the 12-step program, you'll eventually look for <clears throat> and find a sponsor. A sponsor is like a mentor or guide uh, for how to work the 12 steps, and it's very important to get uh, a, a sponsor uh, as you're getting started in the 12 steps. Uh, meetings uh, are very similar in format from place to place. <coughs> so if you're traveling on business, you may be able to find a 12-step meeting uh, close to where you're staying. They would be similar, uh, but the formats vary sometimes. Some 12-step meetings will uh, just be check-in, talk about how your life is going. Uh, some 12-step meetings will uh, focus on big books, uh, re reading. Some will focus on different topics, uh, but you can always find a good 12-step meeting. Some are open to anyone that wants to attend. Some are closed uh, to only those in recovery. Some are for men only, some are for women only. <clears throat> uh, the sexual addiction groups. Uh, uh, the first one is, uh, uh, I'll talk about is Sexaholics Anonymous. Uh, Sexaholics Anonymous uh, fits very well with our Catholic sexual morality. <coughs> Excuse me. It has a white big book. Uh, which makes for really good reading, Focus on, focuses on uh, kind of the addiction to lust uh, that drives sexual behavior, uh, compulsive behavior. Uh, the oldest uh, sexual addicts, uh, oldest 12-step group is uh, Sexual Addicts Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous, SAA. Uh, they use uh, the big book that's green, uh, and it is excellently written also, uh, focusing on the steps and uh, how people have recovered. I recommend both of those books uh, very strongly. Uh, a third S group that's out there is uh, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. It's a smaller program. It focuses on uh, uh, relationships or romance as the addiction, not, not, not necessarily only uh, the sexual part uh, that some people are driven uh, compulsively from relationship to relationship in an unhealthy way. Uh, so those are uh, some choices. Uh, Twelve-step approaches uh, are very uh, helpful for a lot of people. Uh, for co-sex addicts, for the spouses, uh, they have co COSA for women, 
they have Infidelity Survivors Anonymous uh, for Women. It's a 12-step group uh, for those who have had husbands that have had affairs. Those are uh, important groups. Uh, there's also some uh, alternative to 12-step programs that might work in your recovery. Uh, Grazia Plena has the King David's Men, of course. Uh, there's also a Catholic 12-step uh, group called Castimonia. Uh, there's also uh, a program called St. Joseph Covenant Keepers. Uh, Covenant Keepers, there's not as many meanings around, but there's a few. Uh, the King's Men <coughs> is another one for men. Uh, uh, men's Fellowship, uh, Men's Study. Uh, Exodus 90 has been a popular program recently for um, uh, for men to join together in, in accountability and, and to kind of clean up their lives. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is a, a kind of a, a sort of a step program, not to 12 steps, but similar. Um, it's Christian, but not Catholic, uh, and they mix addictions together. So in Celebrate Recovery, you'll have alcoholics and overeaters. Um, and sex addicts, everyone uh, in the same program. Uh, there's an online program called Strive uh, for uh, sexual recovery. Uh, it's relatively new, but it's a decent program uh, for you to check out as well. Um, one way to think about all these different options uh, for recovery is in terms of levels of care. Uh, what, what level is more intrusive, what level is less intrusive, and so forth. Um, so the 12-step programs are probably the, the least intrusive type of program that you might uh, consider. Uh, psychotherapy is a little bit more intense. Um, and, and then a step up intensity, if you have uh, more severe problems, might be something called <clears throat> an intensive outpatient program that would meet several times a week. Uh, focusing on individual and group therapy, sometimes medication. Uh, a person that has a serious addiction may uh, go into a hospital program uh, for a couple of weeks, maybe a month sometimes. Uh, we also have longer-term residential programs, uh, programs that, uh, that may go for more than 30 days uh, where a person gets to work on their, um, their addictions uh, away apart from the world, kind of like in the hospital uh, <clears throat> uh, in an intense, uh, focused way. There's not as many residential programs around, uh, but there are some good ones. Uh, and then finally, the most restrictive level of care, of course, would be prison, where you're locked up. Uh, sometimes there are recovery programs in prison. Um, if a person's addiction has just really gotten so bad that they violated the law, which sometimes will happen. <clears throat> Sometimes when a person is working um, on a sex addiction, it, perhaps they may be married uh, and their, their trust has been uh, greatly damaged in um, their marriage. Uh, they may, the, the therapist may ask uh, to supplement with polygraph testing. Uh, this is used as an adjunct to psychotherapy in concert with psychotherapy. The purpose is to help restore trust. Um, uh, is an attempt to force the, per the person in recovery to be honest about what they're doing, what they've done in the past. Um, disclosure of the past has to be treated very carefully in therapy uh, and with polygraph testing. Uh, we don't want to have our disclosure create more trauma <clears throat> for those around us that have been uh, harmed by our behavior.
Uh, books and websites can also be uh, an important part of our, of our recovery work. Um, I encourage Catholics to study the theology of the body, <coughs> the great gift of uh, Pope St. John Paul II. Uh, Christopher West is, uh, has written many good books on this topic. <coughs> uh, Patrick Carnes from Sex Addicts Anonymous uh, has written excellent books, Out of the Shadow and uh, Don't Call It Love, uh, good, good books to study. Um, Muscle Memory by Joe McLean is his a testimony and his, his recommendations for recovery. Uh, Porn Nation has been popular. Uh, some websites, Fight the New Drug or Porn Harms, uh, can be helpful for us to study. Uh, and then there's a lot of great documents available for free on the internet. Um, Create in Me a Clean Heart by the U.S. Bishops. Uh, a couple of bishops have written uh, good uh uh, documents on this, these topics. Blessed are the pure in heart, bought with a price. And then um, uh, Bishop Olmsted from Phoenix into the breach. Uh, great, great uh, study for us. Uh, our technology, we have to do something about our technology. Um, working with uh, sex addictions, it's, it's always necessary to, to control and uh, manage our technology. <clears throat> Changes technology are necessary, uh, but they're not sufficient, so they're not enough. And many of us have tried to make the changes in technology without getting into any recovery uh, and it, uh, other recovery uh, helps and supports, and it, it often does not work for us. Uh, these days, the telephone is the biggest temptation. Uh, uh, the big website porn sites tell us the phone is what gets us into trouble. People having affairs or are enabled by their phones. Uh, social media is best avoided uh, for a person in recovery on these issues. Uh, cable and pay TV probably also are best avoided uh, to reduce temptation when working in recovery on these issues. Uh, and we can look to, to uh, <clears throat> put in filters and monitors such as Covenant Eyes, other software. Uh, we may need to find an accountability partner to look at our reports. Uh, sometimes our home networks, if we've got children in a home also, or if it's just us, uh, things like OpenDNS uh, from Cisco or Norton Plus may be good um, safeguards for our home network. <clears throat> Family support uh, is important, um, if we're, especially if we're married. Uh, we may have deeply harmed or traumatized family members by our behavior. So educating them about sex addiction and addiction in general is, is really important for them. Uh, they may need to do that uh, themselves or through the use of a counselor. Um, counseling and spiritual direction may help them. Uh, and also peer support, being together with others who are in their boat uh, can be helpful for them too. Um, our addiction broke down their trust over a period of time and so rebuilding of trust will likely take a longer period of time, unfortunately. Um, and so we have to we have to be patient and really rebuilding trust with those we've harmed. <clears throat> Our recovery or sobriety is the best amends that we can make to those uh, whom we love that we may have harmed. Uh, we are responsible for our recovery. They're, they are not. And uh, they didn't cause our addiction. They can't control it. They can't cure it. Uh, one of the mottos from Alamein. So what does the landscape of recovery look like? Although there are many mile, uh, 
similarities, uh, people's recoveries are unique. Uh, many share the same milestones and so forth, but every person's journey is unique in recovery. Uh, it is common for a person's plan to include a combination of many different aspects of things that we talked about today. Uh, relapses usually indicate a weakness in our plan, and so we need, uh, uh, and so a need to readjust our plan. A person in recovery should learn something from every relapse. Uh, we need to put ourselves into deep water to do deep work. There's no quick fix. Hope, humility, and honesty are the essential ingredients in recovery. And so let's finish with this uh, closing prayer. Uh, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits, roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. In the next session, uh, we'll talk about forming a recovery plan. It'll be a good next topic for us. And as we finish, uh, this is a link to our Grazia Plena donation payments page. Um, this is a free program that we're offering for you. Um, in the office, we have charged for it in the past. Uh, we do the King Davidsman group. Um, if you would like to make a donation, we would certainly welcome that. Um, if you don't, if you're not able to make a donation, that's perfectly fine. Grazia Plena is a 501c3 faith-based nonprofit charity. Thank you. Take care, and God bless you. Until next time. Bye.